As always, subscribe and click the notification bell on our YouTube channel. Be active on our Facebook group, East Coast Distressed Note Investing. And be sure to go to our website for all your note investing tools, resources, and available assets. If you have any questions, email us at tradedesk at jkpholdings.com. Hey everyone, Jay Putz here from JKP Holdings. Alongside me, as always, Mr. Nathan Turner. How are you? Very good, very good. Trying to stay warm. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, you're muted, Dave. Dave, you're on mute. Apologies for that. I there. hit a button. So I wanted to make sure that we connect for a few minutes. Let us, people who don't know who we are, kind of get to figure out what, what's going on here. Um, I'm Dave Putz, I've run JKP Holdings for about 10 years plus. I've been buying notes, uh, mortgage real, real estate backed notes for that many years. And um, I've been primarily buying bank originated, but we're working into this idea of seller finance notes. We bought a few of them, but we're learning a little bit more about them. And that's where I'm at. Nathan, care to share about yourself? So I'm Nathan Turner. Uh, I started in notes in about 2008. Uh, and I was creating notes like a lot of you guys do. And uh, it was in Ohio. So in Ohio, it's a land contract. We were making all these land contracts. And, and one of my biggest stumbling blocks is like, okay, how do we cash out of these? How do, we, how do I make money on what I've now created? Uh, and uh, took some classes and started meeting some people and learned all about notes and this whole secondary market that I had no idea existed before. Uh, and now it's kind of come full circuit, it feels like, where, where now Dave and I are here. We want to help those who are doing what I used to do about creating notes. There is an outlet and there is a way where you can cash out of these. You can uh, go out and make some more money and we are more than happy to buy your notes. Uh, so we're going to get into all that stuff today, but uh, that's just kind of a real brief introduction. Absolutely. We have a lot of people here who don't know who we are. Uh, a lot of people are really interested in this topic. And what we found is a huge bridge between the world of note buyers and those originating notes, the seller finance, owner finance origination world, and us. It's almost like two different bubbles. And what you're going to find out today is that our connection between what you guys do and what we do can be seamless, where it just mm -hmm. flies, which is awesome. So I want to make sure you guys tune in, ask questions. I got a few things going on here to kind of track things. We're on LinkedIn, we're on Facebook. Uh, hopefully everyone can see us and hear us and all that good stuff. If you have problems, make a comment in the box and we'll go from there. But we wanted to start off with you guys. Um, we do have some guests, which we'll bring on in a second, but we wanted to just kind of introduce what we do. And some of the first things we want to talk about today. Yeah, so we... <laughs> Like it's, I said, I started, it's, it's, it's a big world and it's big leap. I, like I say, I started out with creating notes, uh, which is great. And I love creating notes. I still do it today. A lot of seller finance notes, mainly what I buy and Dave as well is as mortgage notes. So people will go and get a mortgage with a bank with whoever, Wells Fargo, Chase, Bank of America, you name it, whatever bank. Um, the bank will then sell that note. And there's all kinds of reasons why they sell that. But, but the short story is we will buy those notes. Uh, we are not banks. Uh, we act as banks do in some cases. 
but we are we don't actually own the property. We just own the mortgage attached to the property, or the note attached to the property, and so we yeah. collect payments in that way. So that that's a very very brief introduction of what we do. What else you got, Dave? Yeah. So one of the things we wanted to first share with you guys is that we get the concept of mortgage and note, and what you guys are doing, we get right. But what mm -hmm. we want to share with you guys is why why would you sell a note you know and what do you need to provide to us and what you don't need to provide to us to make the numbers work yeah right so one of the things we want to share with you guys is that you guys make huge profit when you create that note huge profit you create a note that you're into a deal for 40 grand you create a hundred thousand dollar note oh my gosh it is awesome out of thin air you created money and we have some great people who are going to be joining us today who are doing just that, as well as those who are doing it on a larger scale. They'll be in the chat, I'm sure. So when you create that note, what you don't realize is that you can cash out everything you're into it for, plus more, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. that, that, that's what we do. We, we go around, we buy lo the loans. Like I said, I do some origination still. Uh, and I enjoy doing that, but my main business is buying already originated notes. So somebody else created that note. I'm just buying it as an income stream. Uh, that's my core business. So I hopefully you can see already how our two businesses really come together. So we have some cheat sheet here to kind of go down our checklist and make sure we include everything for you guys. Yeah. Um, so when you create that note and you create this money out of thin air, do you know you can sell that note to us, the collateral, and just create another note? Amazingly enough, I'm finding a lot of you guys don't know that we exist or where to turn to sell that note. And today we're gonna to talk about what you can do to turn to sell the note to any of us and what details you need. You can take this money and go buy another property with it. You can do anything you want with it. The one caveat is, some of you guys have some assets that are non-performing. Mm -hmm. Oddly enough, we buy them too. Call them crazy, but we buy them too, right? So yeah, both Dave and I started out really, you know, after the uh, after the whole recession happened. So we we both started out buying non-performing notes as our main business, where people are not making payments, living in the house. That's what we started buying in 2010. Uh, and that's a, been a major part of our business for the last 10, 12 years. Yeah. So if you've got one of those problem notes, or let's say they're just not paying regular and they're just kind of a thorn in your side, we buy those too. We call those scratch and dent. So we'll buy the scratch and dents. We buy the non-performers. We buy the performers. We buy pretty much anything. So hit us up. Yeah. So when you're looking at buying this kind of stuff, there are two different worlds you play in. We have the seasoned notes and buying at the table, at the closing table. You can sell either one of them. Mm -hmm. Understand the fact that if it has some seasoning, which just refers to a time period of proven payments, we can buy it for actually a bit more money, right? Than if it's brand new, the risk level's higher. You can also sell part of the loan payments in the first five years, or you can collect the whole thing and buy, sell a whole note off and do what you want with it. One of the caveats we've seen recently, and we actually have some two people who are professionals in their space as well, is creating what they call 80-20 loan. We have 80% on first, 20% on the second, 
and you can sell the first off and keep the second for payments and sell the 80% of whatever loan you're creating for huge profits for you guys. And then you've still got that 20% second that you can collect some money off that as well. Uh, so you still have some cash flow, but then you've got that big chunk that you can go back out and do whatever you're going to do or whatever personal thing you've got. Maybe you're sending somebody off to college or maybe you're, you know, renovating your own kitchen or, you know, whatever it is you've got yep. money needs for. Uh, we're here to help fill that gap. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I want to, I'm just going to bring up uh, some information here. What we do have today um, is a few special guests who are not going to be on video and then two guests who are actually be on video. Uh, if you're familiar with note creation, subject twos or any of that kind of world, you've probably used an underwriter. Well, we have Max from Call the Underwriter on. He'll be all video, uh, but he's going to be discussing things or answering questions if we need to to go to him. Uh, we also have Sohal who runs Home Key Servicing. Uh, Sohal is a service provider who will act like a landlord for rental properties, but for note space. We're going to get into why a servicer is key for us as well as for you guys as we go along. And and Sohal is. That's one service company. There's a bunch out there. Uh, we happen to have Sohail here. He can answer all kinds of questions. He'd be a great resource for you. Uh, if you move your services over to him, fantastic. <laughs> that's that's yeah. good for him, uh, good for us. And we'll talk about why that's good for us as well. We'll get into that. Awesome. So let me uh, switch over here. Uh, we should be good. We have some special guests on right now. Uh, let me just make sure we got going on. We have uh, two guests with us right now that we are really excited about, right? Um, we have Justin and Melissa. Hopefully you guys are there and we all have our unmuted. So um, what we want to talk about today with you guys is this idea of you guys create notes and create dollars out of thin air, which I think is awesome. Oh, Justin, you're still muted. Can you, Melissa, can you share a little bit about how you got started in this idea of creating notes? Okay, so <laughs> please forgive me because some of the things that you are going to see are probably going to make you cringe, like the no. fact that I use apartments.com. That's um, okay. Definitely open to doing more better, as one of my real estate associates say. Um I've only been in this market for about two and a half years. So it's been a learning game, right? It's definitely been a learning curve. Um, my first deal was kind of just dropped in my lap. And I feel like God says, okay, you're done doing wholesaling. You're smarter than this. This is what I want you to do, you know? And it just really, after learning this strategy, I was able to get out of the rat race and create millions of dollars in like 18 months. So it was life-changing for me very fast. Um, I do specialize mostly on getting subject twos and then doing an owner finance with those subject twos. Mm -hmm. um, and I get 20% down and I create a great monthly spread for the most part. Um, and yeah, everybody pays through apartments.com and it's a good life. However, I do often find myself uh, cash poor. Right. So I'm, I'm like, you know, now I've gotten a, a hotel that I'm looking at and I've created all of these millions in in notes and I wouldn't mind cashing some of them out so I could get some cash to reinvest into this hotel that I'm looking at. 
So hopefully learning all of this by the end of this uh, session, I'll be able to do that. Yeah, awesome. We may wow. have to spread this out into a couple of webinars because there's there's <laughs> a lot of information, out. but you're in the right place. This is this is great. The word and we want to remind you guys, if you guys do catch this video in your middle of it, this will be on YouTube, will be on the Facebook page, uh, be on our website. Uh, but yeah, YouTube channel, all the good stuff is there. Uh, just look up JKP Holdings on L's, uh, on YouTube and you'll find this video. So Justin, can you share a little about your background? How did you get involved with notes? Uh, very, very similar, very similar way. I, uh, I started off wholesaling and I just, man, I, I just really didn't like it. I was cold calling and, you know, it was like offering these 50% deals or 50% for cash. And I just, I just didn't like it. And then I, I kind of discovered the more creative routes that you could take and just making win-wins for owners and, you know, for buyers and sellers making win-wins for us. You know, I just try to make as many, um, it, it seemed like I could help more people that way um, and, and help them faster. There was, you know, I didn't have to raise as much capital, you know, and a lot of times when I did raise the capital, I was able to, you know, very, very similar to um, very similar to what Melissa was saying, you know, buying subject to, and then if I had to come out of pocket, any cash, I just turn around and, and get that cash back from an owner finance buyer um, a lot of times, but sometimes, you know, we've flipped a couple of houses that we just, you know, that we couldn't find buyers for. And we just, ended up owner financing them. And then, you know, we were like, well, we can sell it. We've heard that you can sell notes. So, you know, eventually, you know, and uh, I was, you know, earlier this week, I actually sold my first note. So I've been through the process. Um, but as soon as I opened up that can of worms, it was like, holy cow, there's so much more to this than, than, than I even knew. Yeah. And you know what, I went through the exact same thing. I started creating these notes in 2008 in, in kind of all over Midwest, Ohio, Indiana, Michigan. And, and it was like, okay, there's got to be a way to cash out of these. And I'd heard rumors, you know, I'd heard these stories about people that buy notes. And I went to a, um, a training seminar in 2009 and it just blew my mind. Like it just all this huge secondary market that I didn't know existed. I went to a, to a conference later that year uh, down in Louisiana and and everybody's you know talking about this thing that I just barely learned about and yeah it's it's real and it's a it's a very vibrant market we'll yeah. say yeah but my, my first one of, one of my first deals I actually traded equity in in two houses for an owner finance house on the back end yeah. and so I had all this equity sitting there that I ended up selling and making all my money in the front end because I sold the other two houses Right. But then I still had this other one sitting there and I was like, well, that's all my money that's tied up still sitting yeah. there. Yeah. Um, and that ended up being the one that I finally sold. And I was like, oh, well, that wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Um, but there was there was just some intricacies that I had to had to had to learn and kind of get punched in the mouth and keep on rolling with. OK, awesome. So we want to get into a little bit more of the details of this stuff um, to make sure that there's a watching you guys well what we're talking about here. So what people get interchange words a lot of times, right? So there's this thing called land contract, contract for deed. We also have a lease option. We also have, you know, a, a deed of trust, all these different words that mean different things, but more generally mean the same thing, yeah. right? If I say, listen, is it a mortgage or land contract? You may say, why does it matter? Well, in legal sides, if a loan goes not performing, that does play a role. Certain states don't allow land contracts. 
when you talk to people in Texas, they say, what are you talking about, right? Um, I have some, no idea what a land contract is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you talk to people in deed. Ohio, Indiana, it's all over the place there, Michigan, yeah. right? If you so, go to Louisiana, it's called a bond for deed. If you yeah. go uh, one of the Carolinas, I think it calls it an agreement for deed. They're all basically the same thing. For our purposes, we, we kind of lump them together and call it contract for deed or CFD. Yep. And we need to know the difference. We would ask you guys to let us know what it is, if it's a mortgage or not. Um, just make sure you tell us what it is because we have to price it differently. And certain states are actually discouraging land contracts with the attorney, with the judges. So, and certain situations where the land contract can't be foreclosed on or can't be evicted, you actually have to do a foreclosure depending on the numbers. And that doesn't necessarily mean it's a dead deal. It just means we just need to know what it is up front so we know what we're going to get into here. If we need to convert that over to a mortgage at some point or, or something else, but we have options, we have things we can do. Uh, we just need to know what it is Ooh. getting started. You lost Melissa for a half a oh, second. lost Melissa, whoops. Hopefully she can jump back on. We'll switch over. Uh... So when you guys are when you guys were talking about that, I didn't even realize that we could sell a lease option the same way we would sell a a, a regular mortgage note. Um, because I do have lease options, but you know we we like to take our we we like to see our lease options as the dating as as dating our tenant before yeah. we move them into owner finance. Yeah. Um, and and it actually works out really well for us. It's you know we get to capture you know all the all the tax benefits of being a landlord originally, and then we switch over into an owner finance deal. Um, but I didn't, you know, my concern was always, well, dang, you know, if it's a lease option, I can't cash out of it because I can't sell it because I don't have, you know, they, they have the option. Yeah. Yeah. So short answer is, yeah, we'll buy, we'll buy lease options with a lease option. It's a little bit more particular uh, depending on the terms of the contract. Uh, a lot of, they're all different, you know, different yeah. lease options are written differently. So we just need to read through the agreement and understand what's in there. But short answer, yeah, we'll buy lease options as well. We're probably okay. gonna, we're probably going to do the same thing and flip it over to uh, to either a land contract, contract for deed, whatever you want to call it, or to a deed of trust or a mortgage a note. Uh, we'll probably convert it to something else sometime in the future. But yep, short answer, yeah, we'll buy that. Interesting. Okay. We had a question here too, uh, yeah. Kevin. Yeah, Kevin asked, uh, he does private lending for 12 months or less. Um, is there any advantage of selling short-term notes in our marketable? If a note is 12 months, five months, 30 years, 20 years, it's a math equation, yep. right? So um, anything you want to ask, feel free to put in the chat as well. But yeah, we can price it. You may get a significant discount, you may not. We run everything through our model and we figure these kind of things out, right? Um, is it remarkable? Absolutely. The world of notes is really buying a, is the numbers, right? Yeah. We base our deals on numbers where we're going to get into, you guys base some dollars. Um, and we're going to, we talked to Justin earlier before we went on and that idea of basing on dollars may make sense in some worlds, but we're going to show you why it makes sense to do it based on returns better. So, um, the other question we have from is can you convert a note of a land contract into a deed of trust? Absolutely. Yep. It's done very regularly. Um, and if we have Max on the audio, he can tell you about that in a short while. But if you need to, 
Um, you can definitely convert that over. Call It's called Call the Underwriter. Um, go to their website and you can convert any land contract over to a note. So, and, and like even Justin, you're saying you need to go to a lease option and then convert them over. Um, you don't need to. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, that's fine. And if you want to date them for a little while before you make it permanent, I get that. Uh, but you don't have to. You could just you could just start off with a, a give trust, a mortgage, whatever, whatever it is in that state. Is it is it is it as valuable that way? Um, for for is the is the note as valuable? being a lease option over being a owner finance does it does that affect the value of that of that deal um so probably in order of value the lease option is probably going to be on the bottom of that um again not to say that it's not valuable but i'm probably going to pay more for uh, a deed of trust than i am for a lease option getting feedback is that me yeah i'm not sure who that was but um melissa's back welcome back hey melissa portland over here it's pretty much the story of my life um (laughs) quick question about the lease option though okay so let's say that we we did a lease option with someone and we met you guys and you're like okay we'll we'll pay we'll pay more for deeds of trust and not so much for lease options could we go back to that lease option um buyer and re you know redo the deal like start a dot yep absolutely and then sell it to you okay absolutely yeah we would recommend so so, yeah so 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 kind of kind of you know piggybacking off of what she's saying a a lot of times what we do is when we advertise for uh, the owner finance buyers we have uh, our lease option is say five percent five percent down and then our uh, owner finance would be 10 to 15 percent down um, would be kind of like what she's saying. If I took the 5% down and then in a year say, okay, you still got on-time payments. Let's go ahead and convert it without you coming with the rest of the down payment. Um, would that be something that would, and then, and then immediately turn around and, you know, call you guys and say, Hey, I've got this owner finance, um, situation or, or, or deal for sale, uh, I guess it'd be a note at that point. Would that affect anything? So a couple of things, I'll, Dave, I'll get you okay. in a sec, but so uh, 10% down is better than 5% down for sure. Of course. Um, you've got now 12, year, 12 months of pay history though, as well. That's right. also something. Uh, so that- even, even, though, even though that's technically rental payment? Uh, yeah, no, they're yeah. making regular it's payments. seasoning. Right. Right. So even rental payments are seasoning. Yeah. And you may say, listen, I have two payments, but then you say, listen, I have 12 months of rental payments I can prove. That's more attractive than some brand new person. Right. Think about if you're buying a rental property, if you're going to buy a performing rental, right. What do you do with the situation where the, you know, if property is already rented out for a year, you feel good about that rental. Yeah. Or if it's brand new rental, you know, buy a performing rental and they're brand new, it's not so attractive. So, so, it, so, that so a lot of months kind of offsets that a bit, the, the 5% down. Oh, okay. That was going to, that was going to be my next question. Cause a lot of times we wait for them to come up with the rest of the down payment mm-hmm. to convert them over. But it sounds like we'd be just fine. Just moving them over into an owner, owner finance as it is. 
Yeah. And, and so maybe that's the next thing we should get into, David. We've had a, another question about that, about what kind of terms we're looking for, that kind of thing. Maybe that's the next step here. Yep. <laughs> go now our checklist here. So go yeah. ahead and start off with that. Yeah. Oh, you want me to? Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Okay. So we're looking at a few different things. When we're looking at a note, um, down payment is, is the first thing. So the bigger the down payment, the better. Uh, it shows that that person's got skin in the game. And you guys all know this. This is, this is what you do. Uh, but that bigger the down payment, the more skin in the game, um, the safer it is for somebody to take that on and have confidence that they're going to continue to make payments long term. So that's, that's number one. Down payment, bigger the better. Uh, I would say, as a general rule, I would go 10%. Dave, you looking at anything different or is that about right? You know, it's weird, right? With the seller finance world, with bank originating notes, this never was a problem, was never an issue. So it, then now the world is, I'm more worried about LTV now because of what's going on out there than actually down payment per se. So on a $5,000, I would think more percentage wise. So mm -hmm. if that note is five grand, but it's a $50,000 note versus a $100,000 note, to me, that percentage is big, but I can figure out the percentage why. So down payment will allow me to figure out the percentage that was down made. For me, that's more attractive than a dollar amount. Yeah, good point. Yeah, but before good point. we get to our list, I wanted yeah. to make sure that you guys have some more general now before we dive into it. And we're going to have a, a form. We'll, I'll put it in the chat box here for you guys that will um, allow you to get the full list of items that we want. Um, any note buyer would want actually. So one thing you have to figure out is, are you a borrower or a lender? And what I mean by that is a lot of you guys out there are subject to buyers where you bought a property subject to, and you're technically a borrower to the other one, but then you're a lender to the new owner. And there's some Dodd-Frank rules behind what you're doing to make sure it stays legal. We're not going to get too deep into that right now, but if there's a question about that, we can kind of hit on things. But we got to make sure that if you're a borrower and a lender, we need to make sure if we're buying that second lien that's created or that CFD, whatever you're creating, is able to pay off the first. And the contract shows the fact that we can do that. And in addition to that, making sure you let the borrower know that the first lien is still there. You need to let the borrower know that the subject you lien is there or because there's subject to situations, if you have questions, we have Max on to explain a little bit more about that, but you need to make sure your borrowers know that the first lien on there. Um, some other things are um, the amortization UPB. Uh, we're gonna get into what that means, but understand there's a UPB unpaid principal balance as the note goes down, and that should stay amortization wise. And that relates to a payment, right? When you make a payment that's 742 and 36 cents, if they pay 740, that wasn't a full payment. It sounds foolish, but it, it affects the way the balloon on the end of the payment is. Even that change, because if you take 10 cents and multiply it by 360 payments, there's a balloon at the end of it. And that will change everything out. And if it gets contested in foreclosure, we buy it and start defaulting, that all come back into play. So I have, I have a quick question. Sure. I can go back to the subject two question, mm -hmm. uh, the subject two discussion. It, it, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but if mm -hmm. I have an underlying mortgage 
and then I have a wrap note on it and you buy that second lien note, it would wipe out the first and make you the first lien holder, correct? Yes. Yeah. Okay. It, and, and it has to happen that way, right? Yes. Does it have to? Yeah, I guess it does. Well, I mean, it doesn't have to. We prefer to, let's put yeah. it that way. Yeah. Right? Because, I mean, again, another thing is, if you're buying a first lien or buying a second lien, the, the pricing changes, just like seasoning. So the first lien is not as risky as the second, which means I'm going to buy that second at a much deeper discount. Okay, so let's let's say I have an underlying lien that's dang near the same as the if 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 I because I'll I'll buy I'll buy subject to um, houses that have no equity in them and then I'll wrap them. You know, obviously I can't I can't sell just that second lien, you right? Can. You can actually. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I get. I guess I'm confused if, if, I, if I sell that second lien. Let's let's use real numbers here. You bought a okay. 72 property for 40 grand. You're into it. You rewrote a note on that property, say a hundred thousand dollars. So you have total debt of 140 thousand. If I sit there and give you say 80 grand for it, you can take 40 of that grand, pay off the first, which I I would I would want, and then you get 40 grand in your pocket, and you walk away. And then I'm in first position now. Right. And if That's I it. don't, and if I don't pay off that first lien, wouldn't, wouldn't that first lien get paid off at, at closing? So there's no closing here. Right. We're not doing a title closing here at all. This is not a property sale. This is a note sale. Just notes. Okay. I love it. I love this. And is, is there, is there any, is there any legality there that I should be, you know, concerned with, you know, with in, in a situation like that, because if that first note gets called, I mean, I'm, I'm technically, I'm, I'm out of the woodworks there. What, why do, why, why would I pay off that lien? Is that, so yeah, I would, that makes sense? I mean, I know I would ethically, but, correct. Yeah. but and why would somebody us, pay that off? Our contract would want it that probably way. be set up that we would pay off the first inside of an escrow kind of account in okay. that contract with you guys. Hey, listen, I need to pay off balance up first, make sure it's included in our contract would say this would happen. And we probably run it through like an escrow or attorney to ensure that money gets DV correctly. Okay. To be quasi closing, okay. I kind of set up. That's how I would probably do it in that situation. I haven't done it yet, but that's my thought process. Okay. So so why would why would somebody only sell the second lien? You can't why, sell why would somebody why would somebody even buy the second just the second lien? So <laughs> like, second lien holders are a little bit of a different, it's a, it's a different spin on the same thing that we're talking about. They have all kinds of reasons. Dave, go ahead. I don't so do seconds. You, let's say you have a, a lot of loans were created with piggyback, right? 80, 20 loans, right? You have a hundred thousand dollar property. You, we can use a million dollar property, whatever. The first one's like a 60, the other one's a 20, right? 20 grand, total 80 grand. So now you have up to 80 grand, a hundred thousand dollar property. You have LTV at 80%, which is not the best, but fair. Now I can go and buy that second lien for 20 grand or I can buy for 10 grand, say, right? And I can mm. start receiving payments on that second. I'm, right. less, I'm not as secure as the first, right? I can get, we won't get into all that stuff, but I can buy it 
but the problem is if that property drops in value, my second lien gets squeezed with equity. But that's a, that's a, that'd be in a, in a in a second lien smaller in a, in a smaller second lien against the house yes. versus yeah. a wraparound mortgage. Correct. So in a wrap so in a wraparound situation, we need to pay be, off the first lien. Yes, because you say you have a you know hundred thousand dollar second right and a forty forty thousand dollar first technically right and the property is only worth say ninety, you're up to one hundred forty. Yeah. we need you to pay off that first for me to get in a possession. Right. Okay. Like, that's, 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 I guess that's where I got lost. Cause I was, yep. I was like, wait a minute in a rap situation, you've got to pay off the first. Yeah. We so were getting a lot of questions in the chat. I, I appreciate you guys. Uh, so <laughs> again, we're in the numbers. If I sit there and bought, if you, if you bought a 72 loan and you bought it for 40 grand, whatever the situation is, and the balance of that first lien is 40 grand. You then create a new note, save for, you know, 80 grand, whatever, 100 grand. I can come in, buy that $100,000 note for a discount, say 70,000, 75,000. You then would pay off the first for 40 grand. You would collect 35 in your pocket. We Then our lien, because the fact that the other one's gone, moves up to first position. And now we're in first position of your new created note. So, so would you would you buy that? Would you buy that as if it was a first position lien, or would you still yet, buy it with the? But I would definitely discount? price it that way. Yes. Yeah. Okay. The okay. risk level is less there because it's a first lien. It will and be a first lien. Yeah. Okay. Right. We'd have that understanding that the first is going to get paid off, so that would put us into first position. Yes. And Melissa, did you have a question on that too? Well, I had a question based off of the fact that let's say. Uh, like Justin said, we have a deal that has no equity, but then we created money with it. Um, mm -hmm. We owner financed it. Let's say, you know, the house is worth 100000 and we sold it for 140000 right? Mm -hmm. You say you buy those. How do you buy those since you're not buying against the LTV, apparently? We're basically buying based on returns. Right. Right. We're going to look at LTV as a factor. But we want to look at the fact that we're buying a bond initially, right? It's a bond with maturity date. And most of the time, bonds are capped by yield. So we're going to say, what would our annual return be on this situation? We're going to buy it based on that annual return. 10%, 12%, 8%, whatever the number is. Nice. And people calculate different things differently. So that's one of the factors is making sure your interest rate is a pretty good high number. Because the lower the interest rate, the lower my discount has to be. Or more of my right. discount there, right? So if you're creating notes at twelve percent, you're doing much better than someone creating eight percent. Right. <clears throat> gotcha. So and going back to your thing with the equity, um, you know, if it's a hundred and forty thousand dollar note and the house is only worth a hundred, we're probably going to price that on the value of the house in that situation because because technically it's underwater uh, according to to yes. present value of the property. So we're, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to play the game where we think that the price is going to go up on the, the value is going to go up on the house. I, and I'm not saying that's a bad game to play. That's just not our game. We're going to do it on today's values, today's unpaid principal balance, today's property value, whatever it is right now. Does that make sense? Uh, no, because, <laughs> because if, if you're saying that you can sell a note that um, does not have any equity in it, 
So can you or can't you? Yes, you can. But the pricing is going to be based on the lower of the two. If, if the property value is lower than the unpaid balance, we're going to do the pricing based on the property value and vice versa. And, and what, what would that pricing look like? It depends on the state. Step two. Yeah, it, there's a lot of questions go into that. Um, sorry, someone asked how to ask questions in the chat. Feel free to put it in the chat. We'll definitely answer as we can. Um, so pricing based on state for us, and we always price the fact that it may go non-performing. So that means I may have to foreclose on it. And different states have different regulations and rules and pricing on foreclosures. Where Texas is awesome, Missouri is great, go up to Chicago, you're having more problems, right? Northeast is just yeah. disastrous, California. Some of these states out here have a long foreclosure process, which means that I'm gonna have to hold that property and tax and everything else longer. So my, my return is gonna be less. I also have debt license to worry about. So there's different things that go into the note side of buying things. And if you're looking to learn about the note side, um, feel free to reach out to us. We run a class on stuff about this stuff for note buyers, but you guys as sellers, you guys have to know the fact that every asset is a little bit different based on price of value of the house. If this is a $40,000 house or $150,000 property, that changes my pricing. Yeah. Right? Interest rate changes my pricing. Yeah. Interest rate is a big deal. Uh, which state it's in is a big deal. Yeah. Seasoning plays a part. Uh, down payment to some extent, like Dave yep. says, but loan to value. So all those things kind of go in. And we've got a list of those kind of things. Yes, we're, we're getting to it stuff, right? Yeah. So and one of the things we want to make sure you guys know is that there's thing called a legal balance too. I, I recently ran into a seller finance person that was going to sell me a note and they said, here's the UPB and we're trying to figure out how they came up with the unpaid balance currently. And what they did is included like property taxes they paid up. Well, what you have to find out is that that's a separate dollar amount separate from the unpaid balance. The right. unpaid balance fill, follows the amortization schedule, like a T, and anything extra, insurances, taxes, anything corporate advances is part of a legal balance. When you collect legal balance, you can make an arrangement with the borrower, or if it goes foreclosure, I can add to my balance at the auction. Mm -hmm. So make sure you have the unpaid balance there. So, so and then the unpaid balance... Uh, that's, and Melissa, I wouldn't, I don't want to pick on you, but I just, I just to point it out, that's the problem with apartments.com is that it doesn't calculate principal and interest. All it's tracking is monthly payment, which is good. And we, we definitely want to know that number, but we also, because we have an amortization schedule to follow, we need to know how much principal and how much interest is being paid every month, which is where a servicer comes in. So we're going to get, let me, let me jump one thing before we get there. Yeah. Just yeah, know yeah. the fact that please don't give us PITI for those who don't know principal interest tax insurance. All we care about is principal and interest. Why? Tax insurances are something we don't receive as note buyers. I'm sure that you guys, we don't receive it. You guys may, and then it gets paid out, right? Our servicer typically does an escrow and then pays that money out. So we don't see that. All we care about is that principal interest, which does not change no matter what happens with taxes or the, the, the insurance part. Right. So all these kind of deals of numbers and making sure that you don't receive part payment or you pay, they receive more and to make sure it applies correctly. 
using different services are great. There are software out there to manage these things, right? However, like landlording, we have things called note servicers. Note servicers will reach out to the borrower. They'll send monthly statements to the borrower. They'll resolve issues with the borrower. They'll, if there's a defaulted loan, they'll reach out and try to negotiate with them. Try to say mods. There are a property manager in the note world. What they also do is provide a system of tracking the payments. Unlike apartments.com where it's a rental system, servicer is actually meant for notes. They'll actually have a system where it shows you your payments and what they call a next due date. Like an amortization schedule, if they don't pay for three months, the next due date doesn't move until the next payment's made. So if they haven't paid in two years, the next payment gets applied two years prior, okay? We're rentalpartners.com. If I say, give me a payment history, you guys will show me a payment history, but I don't know which one that applies to. Mm -hmm. And there, hence the problem, especially mm -hmm. if we get to foreclose on it. And that's the thing. All of all of that information is important for us in for our worst case scenario, for which is for us is foreclosure. So we have to have all that information has to be accurate and correct and up to date so that we can give it to the attorney so they can do the foreclosure. So that's that's a main focus for us as far as why it's important to track those payments the way that we'd like them to be tracked. Um, and not even that we like, but we need them to be tracked that way yeah. so that we can prepare. If the loan goes into bankruptcy, they're yeah. going to want to see that in bankruptcy. bankruptcy. Yeah. Right? If it goes to foreclosure, prove the actual balance of the loan. How do you prove it, right? When payments are all over the place and stuff like that. Um, so one thing, when we ask for our numbers, which we'll share and we'll, we'll share your link to a, a form we can give you, they'll email you over the whole list of items, um, is we want to know that you can go to a servicer and get the dashboard. We have SoHow on here. It can explain a little bit if you have questions where you can really take a picture of that dashboard and it'll tell you all the numbers that we would ask for, right? We'll also provide you monthly statements notes from the, 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 the borrower. So if they reach out to the borrower, all those notes are there. So the interactions and all of us note buyers wouldn't want, want that information because it helps us know what the life of the loan is going on. Yeah. Yeah. So we've one question. of the questions we've had too is how much are note services? Yeah. Well, so what we don't ever get involved with because most of our loans are bank originated is you guys can put these in the note agreement. So you can have the borrower this, pay for it, the renter. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If that borrower pays for it, guess what? Our price will actually be higher. Mm -hmm. We don't got to net that out. Pretty, so, so pretty significantly higher too, I believe, yes. right? I mean, yep. it's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty hefty um, increase. I know when Dave and I talked about that note I had for yes. sale, um, I mean, it increased the, the, the value of the note by like three or four thousand dollars. It was yes. like, oh wow. Because yeah. I, for next 10 years, I'm not paying a, a, a servicing fee. I'm collecting right. a whole P and I amount. Right. Right. I mean luckily for me, and we were we were kind of taught to when we use our servicer to put that in the agreement that the, the servicer pays or the borrower pays the servicer. And that servicing fee can be a significant portion of that of that payment. Uh, sometimes yes, right. sometimes not. It's usually it's a flat fee. So let's have Sohail chime in here. Yeah. Uh, maybe you don't want to get into pricing. I don't know, but uh, 
Which what question we refer? There he is. <laughs> Let me uh, flip it over here. Oh, sorry, guys. There we go. I flipped over my uh, system over here. So, so Sohal, welcome. Um, I appreciate you being part of it. Um, I do want to ask you a question about this pricing thing. We would like to know from you, how much does it cost for a note originator to charge to, for the fee for a monthly servicing for a performing note with HomeKey? So with us, with HomeKey, um, we have an all-inclusive monthly fee, which is $35. Um, that includes managing, collecting the payment, managing the escrows, taking care of the tax statements at the end of the year. If there is an underlying lien that you need us to manage for you, we will also do that at the same price. There's no additional cost. Um, it's $35 flat fee. We do charge a $100 setup fee, which goes to our service provider for tax certifications and things like that. But $35 is all we charge. And there are servicers out there who may charge a little bit less, who may charge a little bit more, but then it's not an all-inclusive fee. They, they tend to be more a la carte. The more services you use, the more you pay, the less fewer services you use, the amount is a little bit less. In our case, it's all-inclusive. Yeah. So um, we did a question real quick about what information we need, no buyers to buy. Um, I put in the chat a link for a form, fill it out, and you'll get an email with all the data points we're going to get into in a few minutes, what information we need as no buyers from you guys. Cool. So guys, this stuff is really cool stuff, right? And you can use a servicer like HomeKey to set up a situation where you literally can send us the payment history, servicing notes, you can send everything we need, all the data points to get to. But before you get to that, I want to make sure you guys figure one thing out. Please make sure that you're understanding that if you're selling a note that you into it for 40 grand and we price it 50, understand that 10 grand may not be a big amount, but if you can do that four times in one year, that snippet of the return is amazing, right? So you've got to make sure that your price, when you see an offer from us, Calculate that as an annual return versus a one-time lump sum ROI. Because that will dramatically increase your returns no matter what you do. And you could do this, if you could do this four times a year, season it for two months, sell it to us, season it, sell it over and over again, that 10 grand on 40 multiplies. And, and yes, we're more than happy to buy notes from you all through the year, any day. <laughs> <laughs> Twice on Sunday. I, yeah. I, tell you, I tell you guys a funny, a funny thing about the servicer. I, I was, because I've always used a servicer and I didn't know that there was any other way. Um, I had no idea how much my, uh, the, my borrowers actually paying. I didn't even know that they were paying for the servicing. I know we originally put it in there, but I had to actually reach out to Sohail because he services my notes. And I, I got, I got one of their statements and I was like, Oh, well, this makes sense. I was worried about taxes and all this other stuff. And, all that stuff was just taken care of by Sohail and just made it so much easier. And again, the borrower paid for it. Hey, there you go. Excellent. Nice. So um, just looking at some of the questions we got here, um, what states that servicers cover? Um, understand the fact that you're right. Servicers are technically licensed in certain states and don't need license in other states. Every servicer is a little different. Um, some servicers are not in all 50 states, but you may not need all 50 states. If you're originating notes only in Texas, 
that's all you care about, right? I know Justin uses SoHow and HomeKey. If you're originally in, in Texas, just call HomeKey and they can do it. I know SoHow is working on adding additional licenses on, um, but yes. So yes, states for servicers matter. So um, I know we had another question from Michelle about um, servicing services. I would say that your services from your servicer is more about tracking the notes, right? They're not gonna do the, the, they can sign up for door knocks, stuff like that, but they're really just your property manager to collect and deal with issues. And they, I would have them do in, in yeah, have them do more than less. Um, they're set up to handle all kinds of stuff, but, but you're right, Dave, mostly it's, it's, taking care of the payments and everything surrounding the payments. That's, that's the servicer's main job. Uh, so uh, right now you guys are in Texas. Are you guys looking to get licensed in a few more states as well? Yes, we're awaiting licensing in uh, Georgia, Tennessee, Ohio. Um, and then in January, we'll apply for Florida as well. Um, additionally, we will enter Virginia, Colorado, and uh, Indiana in uh, February as well. Awesome. Awesome. Well, and you're so very familiar with Carolina. So what is the problem with North Carolina? <laughs> I am not a big fan of North Carolina yet. Um, they are a little bit strict. Their, their audit requirements, uh, from what I've heard from other servicers, do tend to be a little bit challenging. And what's worse is the audits do happen every two years at a minimum, and their auditor prefers to come down over to your home office, sit there and audit the books versus just doing it from North Carolina itself, because all our records are online anyway, and we have to pay for their expenses, their flight, their hotel, their food, things like that. Goodness. Yeah. <laughs> but, it, but we do know other servicing companies that cover... North Carolina, South Carolina. Yes. Oh, there's some really good servicers that do cover those states. Yeah. We'll be happy to um, help you. Yeah, we actually, I have a list of them on my due diligence portal, portal.jkpholdings.com slash servicers. You can find it there, the list. Um, but I want to make sure that you know that SoHow really work with owner finance investors. He understands your world. That's why we brought him on. We work with a lot of servicers. A lot of them will get the paperwork from these kind of people and actually push them away because it's not as clean cut as Bank of America, right? That makes sense for everyone. It looks um, a little different. It's, yeah, paperwork is a little bit different. And yeah, they just they just want quick and easy. Yeah. Uh, and then there's other ones that'll dig in and look at the actual documents uh, individually because that often is what it takes. So I'll feel free to put it in the Facebook chat, also the your website too, if you want. I know you're on there as well. Um, Alex asked a question, um, any issues buying a note that's in first that has a second, third, or anything else behind it? Are there discounts that come with that? Do you even care about the supported notes? Straight answer, don't. Not really. The only time that comes to play is if we go to foreclosure, right, and it actually comes to sale, their notes are going to get paid, but we're going to get paid off as well. Right, we're gonna get our unpaid balance. Say it's sixty grand, and we foreclose on it. We're gonna get our sixty. We can't collect anything above our unpaid balance or legal balance. Sorry, we can't collect if it sells for hundred. We can't collect the the equity on that. Right, if it reverts back to us, we get the equity. 
but we don't get the equity or any proceeds above our legal bound because we're not entitled to that money. So these answers, no. No, don't care. The, the things that we would care about is um, outstanding taxes or municipal liens, things like that. Uh, those place above a first lien in order of priority. So those things affect our bottom line. So yes, we care about those things, but any subordinate liens, seconds, thirds, whatever, no, doesn't, doesn't really make a difference. Man, All there's right. so much more to cover. Yes. Oh, this is great. I love the conversation you guys are having. I love the fact you guys are asking a lot of questions because this is a field I've talked with Justin numerous times and he's still learning what we're talking about at the time because it's a new world of, of stuff. And we're looking to do a webinar and hopefully you guys all stay tuned. It, we do webinars every other week, but we've primarily been focused on note buyers and teaching them stuff. Um, so we wanted to, were we working on getting a webinar on there about how to create a note, a successful note to make sure you're licensed correctly. And that's why we'll bring on Max and stuff like that to talk about what you can and can't do, such as the Dodd-Frank laws, right? Mm -hmm. You can't write a note to an owner-occupied owner property without certain restrictions there. Things like that will come into play. And we'll talk more about that stuff on the upcoming adventures. Just out um, of curiosity, Justin, Melissa, do you guys, have you heard of Dodd-Frank? Do you know what that is? Okay. Yeah. Okay, just check. Yeah, of course. I've heard of him, but or I've heard of it, okay. <laughs> but um, I get that it has its place. Um, yeah. All right. The, the, no, biggest, the biggest thing for me, for, for me is my understanding is that the limitations of, of how many notes that we can create, that we can originate um, without having a, a, an originator's license. Right. So Dodd Frank um, is a very big, big legal document. And there's things that we don't fully understand either. That's part of it. Max is the expert. Uh, I always defer to him when I've got questions. I'll call him and say, hey, can I that, do this? That, yeah, that's, that's the main reason I even use an RMLO and an attorney. Just say, mm -hmm. hey, here, make sure I'm good. Yeah. Right. Max, if you can chime in real quick, what do you guys charge for underwriting a note to make sure it's Dodd-Frank compliant? Yeah, great question, Dave. Um, standard underwrite is 679 um, and that's a, a bona fide fee that can be passed on to your borrower uh, but your borrower can't pay it before being offered a loan and so uh, one of the lending laws uh, fair credit reporting act and equal credit opportunity act so facra and ecoa state that uh, you're not allowed to charge anything to a borrower prior to offering them a loan, except for the only fee that's transferable to a borrower upfront is a credit report fee. And in our case, we pull the credit for you, so you can't even charge that to your borrower. So a standard Dodd-Frank underwrite is 679. We invoice you in two pieces. We invoice you 119 upfront and then we uh, get with your borrower and we gather all of the documents necessary for a, a file. We work the file all the way to completion. Um, and then if we can get your borrower to meet Dodd-Frank requirements and certify them, then we would invoice you the final 560 at loan approval. So on the loan estimate, um, or the old uh, HUD one, if you're familiar with old style lending, that loan estimate 
um, you as the lender have to disclose all of the costs of credit to your borrower. And so that 679 underwriting fee would be added onto your borrower's column uh, as one of their loan origination expenses. So you would front us the 119, we'd get your borrower qualified. And then at closing, uh, that other 560 would uh, you know, actually basically uh, the entire 679 would be a borrower's closing cost. So you can recoup that cost uh, at the closing table. Thanks. Awesome. And I know I, Max has been extremely helpful for me yeah. when I'm doing some originations. And, and like I said, I've gone to him with questions. Can I do this? Is that okay? And he'll let yeah. me know, yeah or nay. Uh, and, and just a quick uh, side yeah. note to uh, Nathan, for anybody that doesn't know, um, we don't just underwrite for Dodd-Frank. So uh, I do a lot of commercial work and a lot of uh, non-owner occupied work. And so if you're ever in question as to why would you want to underwrite something if the law doesn't make you, um, I, I could have a discussion with you and give you a lot of good reasons why. Uh, just in a nutshell, though, a couple of the big ones would be like, for instance, we have an investor in New York that buys a lot of uh, apartment buildings and basically flips them and, and resells them to other investors. They can be speculative ventures we underwrite his borrowers to his standard. That's the beauty of non-owner uh, occupied is then Dodd-Frank is out of the picture, CFPB is out of the picture, and you and I sit down together as an investment team and we set the criteria that you want us to underwrite your borrower by. Uh, and so what we're doing is we're uh, ensuring your best interest from a uh, risk of default standpoint uh, the other thing that it's doing is it's creating a consistent um, due diligence uh, file for your ventures. And then when you want to go and resell those notes uh, to somebody like Nathan and David, um, we've got files that you can present to those note buyers that demonstrate the professional consistency uh, with which all of your borrowers are vetted uh, and that can bring a lot of value to your note. Awesome. So uh, Max, so for those who don't know, uh, Max is call the underwriter. Uh, you can go to call um, He's He can talk about all this stuff in much more detail um, than we can. Uh, I know Michelle's asking about that. Sydney, thank you for jumping in there. Uh, I appreciate that. So all that good stuff. Thanks, Cindy. Michelle, I just wanted to come back to your question about, yeah. so you act, you actually act like refinancing? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, we want to refinance you so you can go out and go and buy, you know, create more notes and then sell them to us again and again and again. Yep. Uh, take whatever profit. We don't care. Yes. <laughs> we want you to make a profit. Uh, we're in it for a, a different reason. So we're more than happy to have you make a profit off of us, selling it to us, and then you go out and do it again and again and again. And we'll buy those all day long. Yep. So what, what makes it a valuable note? We won't get into the legal side of it, but understand the fact that for us, we have performing and non-performing assets. And those need certain data points to figure these things out. We're going to go through them quickly here, but uh, again, in the chat, there's a whole... Click this the form link, click on it. You actually go to a form, fill it out real quick for us. Um, phone number is not required. 
but that will actually send you an email out directly from jkpholdings.com. If you don't get it, reach out to us and we'll go from there. But what they'll do is it give you a link to either PDF or spreadsheet that you guys can get and actually just fill it out and send it to us if you want to. Make it nice and easy for you. So what do we need? And what do we not need? Let's start with what we don't need. Um, it, it's it's comical because in the last couple of weeks, we've seen a lot of notes from Excel Refinance coming up to this webinar. I don't need to know what kind of fridge is in the kitchen. Yeah. Don't care. I don't care what rehab you did. I don't care the borrower was a locksmith and his grandmother was the mayor. I don't care. Credit score. Oddly enough, I don't care. We actually care very little about the borrower themselves. Yep. Because Max or someone else underwrit the, the paper that it's legal and it's foreclosable. We want to make sure that the, the collateral is foreclosable. So our, our attorneys will review it as well and make sure it's foreclosable, legal mm -hmm. paper. Because performing assets great, doesn't matter if it performs forever. It matters if it defaults. That's when the paperwork kicks in. So... Um, if you have questions, again, feel free to put in uh, comments or, or send us an email and you'll get that. Um, we also have lien position matters. Why? We talked before about the fact that first, second, third, fourth, we can buy a fourth lien, but understand we're going to buy a sniffing a discount because if it goes to foreclosure and there's not enough money to pay it, we get wiped out. It can happen. Original balance is another item we require. We need to know what the original balance, not what you sold it for, but what the original balance was of the note created. So after the down payment, what was yep. that amount that you are financing? The amount that you're actually financing? Yep. Term. <laughs> what was the original term of the note? Was it 10 years? 120 months? Was it 360 months? Right? What was that term? When was the first payment date? What that helps us do is figure out when the maturity date is going to be, right? If you originated this date, usually a month and a half later, or whatever it is, we need to know when the first payment was made. And going back to term, we, we deal in number of months. So we talk about 240 months or 360 months or something like that. If you just have it in years, that's fine, as long as it's like a round number. So if it's 18 years, that's, that's fine. We'll figure out how many months that is. But if it's 18 years and six months, we right. need to know that. We need to know that too. Right. Would it, would it not be easier to just give you the maturity date? So it, it, yes. that too. So there's <laughs> ways to figure out how many months the term is by using formulas and financial calculators. We can, right? And if you're not able to do it, let us know. We can either figure it out for you or we can, there's different ways to figure out the other numbers through math, through a financial calculator or through spreadsheet numbers to figure out what that number is. But if you have it, which should be on the note, the term should be on the note, first payment, number of payments, maturity date, um, and a balloon amount, which we'll get to, right? We need to know the balloon and how much that balloon is for, because if it balloons at a certain date, a certain dollar amount, that changes the, the monthly payment and the numbers in between. And we're, we're mostly, we are gonna ask for maturity date as well. Um, it helps us just to make sure it's accurate. Yes. That there wasn't, there wasn't a mistake where it's one month, one way or the or other. Or a modification. Something like that. Or and, a modification. And, 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 let, me, let me ask you, maybe this is a question for Max, but like in, in a situation where we create a note that's amortized for 30 years, but there's a balloon at 10 years, 
I, I mean, I, I've never even done that for the reason of, I thought it was, you know, I thought it was more beneficial to put it out for 360 months. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Max. Yeah. Yeah. The biggest issue is uh, there are certain risky features that are prohibited in Dodd-Frank. Uh, and then there's other features that are, you can do them with limitations. If this, then you can do this, but if this, you can't do this. So typically in Dodd-Frank, so we're talking owner-occupied one to four family, you're allowed to balloon after the 60th month. So if you do want to do balloons, just kind of try to think about it this way. The, the entire spirit, intent, and flavor of Dodd-Frank is to prevent uh, home owners, right, families, from being displaced and creating another 2007 housing bubble burst. So uh, when when we talk about putting somebody into a brand new home, um, you you can't put them in a home that next year, all of a sudden, if they can't refi it, they're looking at being foreclosed on and losing their home. And so the federal government requires a certain uh, standard of uh, consistency and, and predictability with respect to how soon do the terms of this agreement change. Uh, and so for Dodd-Frank, uh, one to four family occupancy, think about keeping them in there for five years, typically. I actually like, prefer no balloon. It's, it's, if nothing else, it's easier math. <laughs> yep. In general, I prefer not having a balloon. Dave, do you care? No, I mean, it's a math equation for us, um, yeah. but it, it pretty much doesn't matter to me because most likely we're not going to get there most of the time. Understand most loans don't last 30 years. They just yeah. either paid off or it, something happens to the house, they sell it. So, something always happens. Most people don't hold a house for 30 years. So yeah. I'm not too, too worried about that. Just so you guys know too, when, when we underwrite for you, we can always produce an amortization table for you. Uh, and give that to you right off the bat. So if you're working with uh, Nathan and Dave, that gives you kind of that opportunity to start looking at that thing ahead of time and, and get a read on what it's going to look like. Mm -hmm. yeah. Awesome. Yeah, perfect. Um, question about uh, the form. Feel free to hit the form. It's a brand new form we have. Um, we put it out yesterday. Uh, and a caveat, um, I did have this private message sent to me. No, Nathan and I are two different companies. Uh, we're just good friends. So yes. we would make two different offers to you. That's why I, yeah. we're cooperative, but we're also competitive, right? So, <laughs> um, so another thing we mentioned here is that you make sure to give us the PI, P&I, not the PITI. We need tax insurance. You can make it a different row, but just the P&I is what we need. At interest rate, that's a definite thing we need. It allows us to figure out if the payments make sense. It also tells us the loan. If you present me a loan that's a 3% coupon rate, either A, I'm not going to bid on it, or B, if you need me to bid on it, my, dis my price would be dramatically discount compared to the balance alone. Because for me to get a 3% coupon up to say an 8, 9, 10, 12, 14, whatever I'm shooting for, I'm going to give you a significantly lower payment. So Most right people out there are looking for a bunch of money and they yeah. don't care. But understand the fact that for me to buy a $40,000 note, at two percent, it must be a much higher UPB, much higher. Yeah. So, so general advice: write it at a high interest rate without going over usury laws. 
yes. and usury laws are specific to every state. So check that out for whatever state you're in, but as high as you can is great. <laughs> and that helps us, that helps you get the most money when you're selling it to us. Let's put it that way. What about, what about um, taxes and insurance being escrowed? Does that affect the value at all? Nope. No. So if it's not, so if it's not escrowed and you rely on the, on the borrower to make that payment at the end of the year, every year, you're, yep. it doesn't affect your risk at all. Okay. It doesn't, it should, but it doesn't technically. Um, if the borrower doesn't pay it, I have to pay it anyway. And if they default, I'm going to pay anyway. Hmm. Right. Okay. I can ask them to pay it in escrow. I can always talk to my servicer and get it to escrowed if they want to. Um, I can do a mod, but no, it won't affect my pricing now. One, uh, one quick point also, when you're talking about trying to get your borrowers qualified, we're talking about debt to income ratio and state specific residual income. Just bear in mind that while you can write a term of almost any number of months you want, um, it's all usually in your and the buyer's best interest to draw a longer amortization period because uh, as David or one of them mentioned anyway, Yep. Most of these uh, transactions won't uh, last throughout the term of the amortization anyway, but what it does for their P&I is dramatic in terms of meeting debt to income ratio. So I have a lot of folks send me term sheets and they'll send me a term sheet with a, maybe let's say a 180 month term. And then when we calculate debt to income ratio, these people are over uh, DTI. And simply by uh, getting a hold of the investor and saying, if you'll bump that to 240 or 360, uh, we can save this deal for you. So don't uh, don't get wrapped around the axle with the idea that uh, you know I need the PNI to amortize in 180 months or bust, uh, because a lot of times that will bust. But uh, I don't think, and these guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but from a, their standpoint. A uh, 360 month term isn't going to hurt your uh, value at all, but it's going to bring in a lot broader category of borrowers who can meet that uh, requirement. Absolutely. Yep. Right. Yeah. A 30 so, year is pretty typical. Yeah, absolutely. We just price everything according to an annual return. Yep. So yes, you, you're going to get a different price if there's 20 years left, but it's just a different risk level and return level. So um, next one we need to know is your type of property. Please let us know if it's land, if it's a mobile home, if it's a condo. What we don't buy is I don't buy land notes. Um, Nathan, do you buy land notes? I don't, no. Okay. I don't buy things in mobile homes typically. Um, I know a couple of the owner finance people have been mentioning it. Um, they're just, there's a little bit different type of note um, that I'm not familiar with as much as typical real estate and commercial. So that's a little bit different for me. Um, same. I don't, I don't love mobile homes. I, I'd, I'd look at it, but it would have to be special. Yeah. So, um, you say, yeah. Quick question. When you say mobile homes, mobile homes with land or in on, in the park. Exactly. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah. Right. So yeah, mobile homes could be land included it can be a mobile home with a rented land it, it, it becomes a little bit fishy for us um which we don't get to uh one question we had is what kind of note documents need from us um we're going to assume you're the originator 
So we won't get into the other note craziness. Um, if you're buying and selling a note to us, we'll need more documents. Um, but typically we just need the mortgage, the note. And for those who are not aware, make sure you get a title policy. Title policy ensures the fact that there's no other liens and it's clear title. Um, if you don't, go get one. Uh, that makes it more attractive to us. Make sure there's no additional liens prior to the sale of property. Um, and it doesn't cost a lot. It's yeah. well worth it. So, so, all right. So, so I have an interesting question. So I bought a house um, subject to that was owner financed. Um, and I ended up having to refinance it because the daughter came in, it, long story short, I ended up having to refinance it with a bank. I almost wonder if I should have just bought that note from her, but if I bought that note from her, how would that affect me selling it later? Not at all. You okay. can resell it. Yeah, I mean, you could broker it out if you wanted to. Yeah. You don't even have to own it yourself. You could sell it to us. Interesting. <laughs> so and then, and then could I could I still own that house subject to yeah because <laughs> because that that one got really interesting really fast I ended up I ended up offering her you know I think I we owed like sixty five and I offered her fifty and she ended up taking it um, which ended up being beneficial for us and so we ended up doing a cash out but looking back on it I'm like well maybe we should have just bought the note from her and then sold it and then, I don't know yeah, yeah you could do that. But that, but that, but that makes more sense to me. Yeah. yeah, we won't get into it. But basically, what you need then is an assignment of that, just like you guys do assignments. But we see an assignment of the mortgage, and then, uh, and then you have the lawn which attached the note. That would just transfer from one seller to the next. And if we buy the note from you, we'd be creating that same paperwork. You're selling to us, and you're basically you transfer the note transfer from your name to our name, and it's a paper process. And then we record with county records. So it's official that the lien transferred over from you to us. Very easy process. There's really not a whole lot involved with that. So, yeah. So as we go down the line, um, we need the property city, property address, street address, city, the state, and zip code. It allows us to figure out how much the property is worth. So we can figure out these kind of numbers. The maturity date we mentioned before. The current unpaid principal balance, which is the balance alone as you move along. Again, if you're using apartments.com, this will be much more difficult to figure out. Recommend moving to a servicer or buying a servicing software and figuring it out and apply payments as per se. Um, then we that also need said, to, yeah. Yeah, if you've got something that you've only ever had with apartments.com and they're, especially if they're just, if they've been totally regular and same amount every month, um, send that along. I'm, I can, I mean, we can do the math on it. It's, it's a little bit trickier, but we can do it. Yeah. So if you've got something that, oh shoot, I'm um, screwed. No, not necessarily. Yeah. Uh, Give us a shot. Send it along. Yep. Let us know. Maturity date, unpaid balance, next due date. And we explained before the next due date is next date in part of the amortization schedule, not the last payment received. It's based on the amortization schedule. Most time, if it's performing, the next due date's next month. Last payment received. That is just telling us when you get received a payment. It could be yesterday, it could be today. It's ideas. And last two is a balloon. If there's a balloon, we just need to know how much the balloon is and the date of the balloon. It mm -hmm. helps us figure out the numbers for us and things like that. Uh, the last one is modification. More than likely, you guys have never touch modifications 
Um, but if the loan is modified, we need to know the date of it and what that new terms are. Interest rate and balance, all that good stuff. If you didn't change interest rate, that's fine. But all that good stuff is there. That's Last a question stuff. about equity. Go for it. Um, again, you you and I, Dave, have talked yes. uh, you know, extensively about equity. And you're not as concerned with equity as I was, I, I thought that equity and interest rate were like the biggest things that we needed to look at here. Um, I had a, I had a note that had a ton of equity, but that really didn't affect the price of the note. <laughs> no, why that is, I, and 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 I'm trying, I'm trying to, I'm still trying to wrap my head around. I, I understand that if it, if it goes to foreclosure, you're only entitled to what the, but but the, does it does the equity reach a certain point where it stops making as much? Uh, it stop, stops being as much uh, affecting the, the value of the note. Give us numbers. Give us an example if you can. Okay, so I had a hundred and I had a hundred and fifty thousand dollar house that I had a note on it for sixty five thousand. Mm -hmm. um, that note was worth fifty five thousand, essentially. So I had you know eighty thousand dollars in equity. They the borrower has eighty thousand dollars in equity. Yeah, there's the key, right? But if but in, in in a situation where the borrower only had like say twenty thousand dollars in equity, that wouldn't affect the 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 purchase price. The, how much you would pay for that note? I would say this: LTV loan to value affects if I'm going to buy it or not. If you're looking at the fact that my loan to value is ninety percent, I'm going to probably pass on it because the risk of what's going on in the market. Mm. It doesn't affect me with my numbers because if you're saying $85,000 in equity, I have to foreclose on it, which is stupid for the borrower to have to get foreclosed on a property of equity. When you do that, I go to the auction, I can only collect up to that balance. So even if they have 20%, I still can't get the other 20%. I can collect right. up to that legal balance. I'm paid balance plus corporate advances. I can only collect up to the legal balance. Now, if it's flipped upside down, right, the property worth 50 and the unpaid balance worth 100, we're going to be bidding based on that value of 50,000. You're not going to get much because there's no equity. I'm going to be bidding 40,000, 30,000. And you say, well, there's a lot of unpaid balance here. Well, I can't buy it because if I go to foreclosure, I'm not going to get that money back. That property is not worth that much money, the collateral. And an investor is probably going to buy that, but if there's, and, and like you said, you'd pass up on it if there was only $20,000 in equity. Percentage wise. It did go, right, okay. Right? Yeah. If you're looking at, you know, a property that's worth 40, you know, it was worth 60 and it's for 40, that's a different number than it's worth, you know, 130 and you have 110 note. So, so investors, investors like to buy at 75%. So as long as we, as long as we're sitting around that 75% mark, we yeah, feel pretty comfortable about yeah, that number's it. moving as we go along here with correct, the market, correct, right? Right, 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 Look, right. We said in the last webinar we had, me and Nathan, when we first got started, we didn't look at equity back in 2010 because there was none. There was never right. ever equity. Ever, right? ever, Everything ever. was underwater. Yeah. So for us to now play with LTV, it's kind of a new thing for us because nothing had blown the value. And that's only been true since probably 2018. Yes. Is that's probably the first time that I saw any equity in any loan that I looked at. And I'm like, oh, that's, shoot, what do I do with that? And we had to actually kind of invent and figure out what we're going to do when they did have equity. 
So the so negative I, does not scare us at all. No. But just understand we're pricing it on the lower of the two. Either yes. if, it, if it's underwater, we're going to mm. base our bid on property value. If there's a lot of equity, we're going to base our, our bid on the unpaid balance. So, so, on, so on like Melissa's uh, example where she has a $100,000 house, the borrower, borrower borrowed 140000 you would probably pay only sixty or $70,000 for that note. It, if the house is worth a hundred, right? We'd, we'd base it off the hundred thousand dollars. Okay. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, there's more numbers, but yes, that's of that's course. Good. Yeah, I, I'm just trying to be as round as possible. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. This has been um, again. We I put in the in the chat uh, what the link is for the form that you can fill out if you have assets you're looking to sell. If you have stuff. Feel free to use that, fill it out, send it back to us. Um, we did uh, cover most of the stuff in, the, in that list. If we have to change anything or update anything, we will let you guys know. Um, but we we think this was helpful. If you feel that this was helpful and you would like us to do a webinar on how to create a successful note, um, what would make it more valuable, um, let us know. We'll, we'll work on something for January um, to make sure you guys can include in that. If you're looking to learn about note buying and understanding our world, reach out to. We have you know webinars and videos, and we also have a, a intense advanced course. We're starting back up on January 3rd. Um, it's a, a huge course about how to buy those uh, numbers, figuring out things, what's important, all the systems, um, all that good stuff. Dave, can I ask another quick question? Please. And this is something that I kind of had saved up. Uh, I wanted, and I think you just answered it, uh, but I was wondering about how the market's going to affect like the values of, of our notes. Is it going to affect them? Yes, you're the not allowed to ask a question. That's kind of been my biggest question lately is, is how, how that, um, and I guess it, it's just affecting the values of the houses at this point, And then you buy based on the values of the houses. Yeah. So that's why the LTV comes into play a little bit here. Because if we're 75 or 60 or 65, whatever the number we figure in our head, if it just down, we know the fact we have some buffer room. Um, but yeah, that's when it plays in part. But the reason we say you can't ask a question is that's our question for you guys. And then <laughs> you guys are new to our webinars and all stuff, and those who are, are, are still on our Facebook Live. Um, we want to ask you guys a question. Go ahead, Nathan. <laughs> Yeah, where do you guys see it? So we've got our our world, right? Where we're predicting things coming in the future. From the seller finance world, how do you guys see it? The, the finance where is it going? For me, I see it as an advantage because the banks are going to quit lending. We'll continue to lend, you know, and I'm sure I'm sure Melissa can 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 attest to this. Where you know where banks aren't aren't lending to a lot of people, we can lend to them. Um, and we can dang, dang near name our price at that point. Melissa, what do you think? Where do you see houses, the house market going right now in your world? You see value dropping, staying flat. What do you see? Well, that depends, right? Because I own houses all over North Carolina. There's some where the values are going down. Um, but there are some where the values are still the same as they were. Um, for example, if like my house is at the beach, right? They're not, they're not dropping in value. Mm -hmm. um, my house is 
where I live, like in Hickory, North Carolina, yeah, they're dropping in value, but they're dropping in value the same at the same rate they do every time this year. Gotcha. So I don't really feel like we're going to know what's going on with this market until like March of next year, where we have a full year to look and see what's happened from last year to this year. Because right now, the values are the same as they would be three years ago in December, you know, because they always drop about 20% from late September to February, right? Then comes springtime when everybody starts looking for houses and sun is shining and weather is warm, then the values start going back up again. So yeah, all of that being said. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. We like to hear from outsiders what they see the market or real estate going in the crystal ball six months to a year. None of us really know, but we like to play that world of that crystal ball idea. But what we really appreciate you guys having your your strength of knowing origination in this world of creating dollars magically in thin air. Um, we were trying to bridge the gap between you guys originating and us buying and making that marriage happen smoothly so you guys can go ahead and buy more sell more, buy more, create more. Uh, we can talk about parcels. We can, you can sell par payments, but you can also sell a whole loan and it's more attractive for us. So. Well, great. I need some money and I have a whole list of notes that you guys can. See, it, it, it's, it's easy like that, right? You literally can sit there and sell us the entire note and get money out or not that it's always the most attractive, but you literally can sell us a part of the payment stream next five years, six years, 10 years, and keep the back end. That's David, also available. David, uh, let, me, let me ask you guys a question yeah. uh, and then uh, sort of get a, a gauge on, from your perspective, how the, the correlation to the uh, Fannie Freddie rates and what note originators can uh you know, make a rate at how that's how that's going to affect things. So, for example, when the APORs were two point seven eight, uh, we were creating notes consistently at eight nine. So, you know, we were a little more than a six point spread over, and it was very easy to do. And borrowers still could meet DTI and residual income at eight percent, eight and a half percent. Now that the APORs uh, in the conventional market are in the sevens uh, or approaching yeah. sevens, to get that same kind of spread now, you'd be looking at uh, HCM loans with rates of around 15, which is next to impossible to get. We're getting them in trailers, but we're not really getting them in stick-built homes. Uh, and the percentage of seller-financed borrowers that can meet debt-to-income ratio uh, and residual income at a 15% APR uh, is much lower. So if that trend continues with Fannie and Freddie keeping conventional rates that high, uh, how do you guys see that affecting us all uh, in note creation and then on your end on note buying? So for, for me, um, we have a certain return we have to get, right? And that return is now increasing. Mm-hmm based the fact that money is a lot more expensive. So mm -hmm. for me, my desired return increases. It used to be here, now I'm up here. So my price is gonna change. Um, that's my quick and easy answer for it, Nathan. 
Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what happens here. Interest rates, um, inflation, all kinds of things going on in the world. Um, as it makes it more difficult for, for people to get loans, uh, people like the seller finance crew, they fill a major role. We're at the same time, we're also filling a secondary role. We're more than happy to buy the notes that are coming from the seller finance. At the same time, we're also more than happy to buy the non-performers. So if and when people start defaulting on their loans, uh, those are also very attractive to us. That's that's both Dave and I, that's our roots. And that's our major, major thing. Uh, So I don't know what kind of pressure is going to be put on to people uh, in general and, and where does it all end and where, when does it begin? Good question. I don't know, mm-hmm. but it's, it's looking interesting. Um, we did a question on Facebook and I'm presuming you guys are okay with this. If you're not, let me know. Um, some of the people want to have your contact information. I will provide emails only. Um, are you guys, Melissa, Justin, are you guys okay with it? I know so how's okay with it. Um, for those who are looking to learn, uh, may reach out to you for some education, all that good stuff. Um, if you're okay with it, I'll share your email addresses uh, to those who just complete the form. I'll do a re- quick reply on uh, form responses and you'll get their information. Awesome. awesome. I well, put guys, mine in there too, because I know Dave, you've got yours on there, but I don't think mine is actually on your oh, site. Yeah, we we forgot that part of it, right? We checked it last night, make sure the form response was accurate. We totally forgot that Nathan on there. Um, it's in there, but I'll, I'll, I'll fix the other form as well. I sure. make sure, and Nathan gets the responses, the emails for the form as well. So he'll get the email responses and yeah. he can reply uh, to any questions you've got. Um, Justin, Melissa, so I'll Max, thank you very much for joining us. We're going to cut off yeah. the live feed in a second, Thanks, but guys. Uh, stay on for a few minutes before thank we just so connect. Much. Max, I appreciate it. Your information will be also out there. Guys, if you're looking for a servicer to get your things right, reach out the home key. Uh, if you're looking for someone to underwrite your law, your loans, Make sure you reach out to Max, call the underwriter, and um, he'll make sure everything happens on the up and up. If you have we'll questions, do another one of these. We'll do kind of a follow-up one in January. Yeah. Um, more about, I think we're going to do more on the origination side. Yeah. And how to make it more attractive, how to yeah. make it legal, making yeah. sure that we have all the stuff needed. So How to write that so that you can sell it to us at the, at the selling table if you want. Cool. Awesome. Great stuff, guys. Thank you. Hey, thanks. Thank you.